Okay, from this angle, cannot see you. It's okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Daily Bible Reading Show. I am looking at Psalm 35, which actually was also looked at by the same guy who looked at the passage uh, from yesterday. I don't know why, maybe the guy is also reading uh, from the Robert Murray McShane Bible reading plan. Maybe, maybe. But it just so happens that we also looked at this psalm a few days ago at Bible College. And this is how it reads, Psalm 35. Uh, it's a psalm of David. Uh, in the um, ESV, it says, Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. That's, that's the ESV. Uh, but what's interesting is if you looked at the message, this is by Eugene Peterson, the message begins like this, harass the hecklers, God. Punch those bullies in the nose. <laughs> that's, that's such a colorful, colorful picture. You know, it's almost asking like God to be like your big brother and to bully all your bullies, punch them in the nose. Um, and I think that's why um, the person who was preaching this at chapel the other day was uh, quoting this verse. He was saying there was this famous rock star or something like that who loved this psalm, Psalm 35, because he was saying there is no pop music. You know, you think of all the popular music today, there's lots of songs for love. There is no song that you can sing about punching your enemies in the nose. <laughs> but the Bible, the Bible is full of these songs that allow you to express all kinds of emotions for all kinds of different situations, including the times when you're calling out for justice and vengeance, and also for God to fight your cause. I'll continue uh, the rest of this in the ESV. Verse two, take hold of shield and buckler and rise from my help Draw the spear and javelin. I think I have here space spear stuff. So draw the draw the spear and javelin. It means take up some kind of um, weapon against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. That is that is he wants God to say, I'm here to save today. And um, no, this is kind of a long psalm. <laughs> not to read the whole thing. But already the main point of this is the king, David, who has a relationship with God as someone who is helpless. Someone is calling out to God to help him. Now, sometimes you meet people who know a lot about God, who act very, very mighty, who act as if you know they can handle any situation, who act as if, you know, if you try to bully them, you know, they'll fight back at you, maybe, maybe not with fists or swords or spears, but with words. But David doesn't do that. You know, David speaks to God and says, God, you fight my fights. You bring about this justice. Verse 4, let them be put to shame, you know, them, you know, the, my enemies, and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them, it all begins, let them, let them, let them be like chaff, verse 5. Let their way be dark and slippery, verse 6, with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. And so he's describing these enemies as those who, verse 4, seek his life, verse 4, devise evil, and who are like chaff in the wind. And it sounds, sounds as if these are people who have a personal vendetta against him. And again, he's not fighting back, 
but he's asking for God to almost frustrate their plans. Uh, he says that's why make like make them like chaff against the wind, let their way be dark and slippery. So it's to pour out judgment in such a way that frustrates their plans to harm David. Verse 7, For without cause they hid their net for me. Without cause they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. And so here's a kind of fairness. You know, he's essentially asking for the same kind of punishment that they're trying to punish him with. So it says with the same net they're trying to trap him, use that net to trap themselves. So even in the midst of his anger, you know, he feels resentful and sometimes, you know, get, can get carried away, you know, when angry with someone who really doesn't like you. He still controls, you know, that anger. He, he, he wants a sense of fairness. It's because they want to harm him. He prays that God will harm them, but even so, with the same kind of harm that they want to pour upon him, you know, the same net, the same kind of destruction. Verse 9, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall, sh shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him. Describing himself with the poor. You know, he's identifying himself with, again, people who can't help themselves, people who are being taken advantage of, you know, imagine robbing from the rich, that's one thing, but this is robbing from the poor. And quite amazing that David, King David, David who is after God's heart, identifies himself most instinctively, not with other kings, not with other holy people, but with precisely those who are being taken advantage of. Just worth thinking. Uh, today I was uh, talking to a friend named Ezra and um, had a really good conversation, had a podcast, um, about um, you know social activism and I was really struck about how he was trying to encourage people to be more involved with social change and he just said start small the example he gave was like just buying muruku <laughs> these snacks from a poor uncle at the train station I think he's saying and you know therefore you're you're looking out for those who are helpless and you're helping them and you know, if you can start there, I think what happens is you start seeing. You start seeing more needs. You start seeing more poverty. You start seeing more, more opportunities for change because you see them. And, and being able to see is the first step before being able to do and to be. And here David, he sees the poor, he sees the needy, and says, I am one of them. I think that's the key. It's the key to making real change is just seeing what change that needs to happen. Verse 11, malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend, hear that friend, or my brother, as one who laments for my mother, I bowed down in mourning. And this is mourning for his enemies. He says, his enemies, I used to consider them as a friend, as a brother, even as my own mom. Because when they were in trouble, you know, I lamented. You know, I poured sackcloth, I prayed for them, I helped them, I was there for them. 
But now that I am in this position of poverty, of need, you know, where are they? You know, <laughs> they're actually taking advantage of me. Malicious witnesses rise up. And that's why he says, ask me of things I do not know. It's not just, I think, that he doesn't know how to answer them, but he doesn't know why. Why are they acting this way? You know, these are people I used to consider, you know, my family. I would be there for them. But now, you know, they're attacking me precisely because I'm weak. So again, this, you see what fuels this frustration, this call for justice? It's maybe even that sense of betrayal. You know, it's, it's, it's enemies who used to be his friends. It's betrayers who used to be the people whom he used to love. And here you start to see overtones now of Jesus. You know, Jesus, the enemies who killed him, the people who betrayed him, you know, don't just think of Pilate, don't just think of the soldiers who nailed the nails to his hands onto the cross. It actually includes his friends, the people who abandoned him. It maybe even includes his family who weren't there for him on the cross. And you see that when you frame, you know, betrayal and enemies in that sense, you see how all of us have betrayed God's love. God has blessed us, God has loved us, God has given us everything during our times of need. And yet we use the very things that God gives us to attack Him, to reject Him, and to take Him for granted. You see here a definition of betrayal, and you see here the definition, therefore, of the call for justice. It's just, it's just a repayment for that betrayal. Verse 15, But at my stumbling they rejoiced and gathered, they gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng. I will praise you. Now why does he say that? He says, I will thank you in this great, well, almost church, this great congregation, in the mighty throng, I will praise you. Almost as if to say, I'm not alone. Imagine you go to church, which is tomorrow, tomorrow is Sunday, you go to church, and you, know, you imagine everyone praising God and singing out to God, and maybe for just a moment, just ask yourself, why are these people singing the way they are? Why are they giving worship to God? Is it because it's so much fun or the music in front is so compelling and I'm just caught up in the worship? Maybe, maybe, and that can happen. But maybe these are people who have been where I am. You know, we've felt that helplessness. We've seen God's salvation and we cannot help it. <laughs> we cannot help it but to give praise to God and to praise, praise God for God, what, to what He has done for all of us. Not just me personally, but for us as a people and gathering us together to be able to give that kind of praise that's worthy of his salvation. I think that's maybe closer to what it means to come together as his people. We are all sick, he's given us that healing. We're all, you know, essentially dead. We've all been, been, been killed in a sense because of our sin. And he's given us that life, that resurrection, that, that goodness and that grace. And therefore we praise him for that. Uh, where are we? Uh, verse 19, <laughs> back to his enemies. Let not those who rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those who wink the eye 
who hate me without cause. I never quite figured out what the wink the eye is. <laughs> Let not those who wink the eye. I think it's maybe some kind of mocking. Somehow you wink. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what it means. Do, do you know? Maybe you can tell me right in the comments. Uh, for they do not speak peace, but against those who are quiet in the land. They devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, aha, our eyes have seen it. Verse 22, you have seen, O Lord. Be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God, and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Now, it's just not worth noticing that word vindicate. Verse 24, vindicate me. And also verse 23, rouse yourself for my vindication. And vindication is different from, say, salvation. Salvation is, I'm in trouble, God save me. I'm about to die, God give me life. But vindication is where everyone is saying that I am wrong. And I'm saying, God, prove me right. You have to think of the situations, you know, what, what situation would it be that people are pointing the finger? And by this, everyone is pointing the finger. No one believes you. Everyone is accusing you and saying that you are wrong. You're, you're the bad guy. You're the person who has done something that is, that has offended us. And again, you can't defend yourself. You, know, you don't have the proof for it. And you call for God to vindicate you. What would that be? I think, just looking at the shape of this psalm, it's maybe the vindication that comes from trusting in God. Everyone is saying, you know, why become a Christian? <laughs> Nobody is helping. You're just making your life difficult for yourself. You know, why believe in this God who maybe isn't helping you right now, who's maybe even causing you this trouble? You say, you know what, you know, I'm going to trust in God, not just to save me out of this trouble, but at the end of the day, to show that I was right. I was right while I was in this trouble to still trust in God. While I was still in this pain to still call out to God. While I was still in this state of abandonment and loneliness and darkness, still trust and pray and look to God for my salvation. Vindicate me according to your righteousness. Verse 25, let them not say in their hearts, aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say we've swallowed him up. So it's almost saying that, you know, God, your reputation is at stake. You know, for your sake, don't let them get away with this because they think they've won. They think they've, they, they're right in saying that there's no point trusting in God. You know, God, show them, show them that you really are hearing my prayer. You really will do something. Show yourself, show yourself to them. Verse 26, let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Again, the idea of dishonor and shame means you, you've been proving wrong. It's not just with pain and destruction, but almost like law court language. You know, put them to shame. Show them that the things that they've been trusting in will not save them, that they have been wrong in opposing me and maybe even in opposing God. Now remember again that David, this is special maybe to David, not just for us, but David as God's king, who is maybe opposed because, you know, he was God's king. And therefore you need to think of Jesus who is still trusting in God right up to the point of the cross. And remember what they said to him, you know, he trusted in God, let God save him. 
almost to, to almost as if to say that you know God has abandoned him, and Jesus continually trusted and looked to his Father, even called for God to forgive him, and remain on the cross, just you know doing God's will up to the very end. And again, Jesus was trusting in that vindication, and I think that final vindication came in his resurrection. You know, the resurrection was, you know, his sign of victory. That, hey, you know, everything that Jesus did, his life, you know, his, his death, even his, you know, humiliation and his, you know, it was all vindicated through his resurrection. When he rose, he rose to a position of honor that God gave him because he suffered this disgrace and this pain and this death. Uh, last two verses, verse 27, Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say forevermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. So it ends with um, what, uh, his ongoing motivation for worshiping God. Can I put it that way? Then my tongue shall tell you of your righteousness all day long, you know, it's, 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 it's being able to tell the full story. You know, it's not just having pinpoints in your life when God was good to you. You know, you, you had some trouble here, you know, God saved you through that. Or sometimes when, you know, maybe it rained and <laughs> God made it stop raining. All those, you know, signs of God's goodness. But it's almost looking back on the totality of the whole history of salvation. God did all this. And there's that finality when God will bring it to an end and will go, Aha, don't you see? This is the God who did all that, but also this final salvation at the end of time when he redeems his people. And then he says there, Shout for joy. Great is the Lord, the one who delights in the welfare of his servant. I think what this means is that, you know, um, our praise, you know, our worship for God is in a sense building up to a crescendo. You know, I was just talking to a friend. <laughs> I was asking him, you know, do you enjoy, um, enjoy your life now as a student? And he was saying, yeah, yeah, I think I do. And I said to him, you know, I think a mark of um, your satisfaction, a mark that you're going in the right direction is actually your joy. And um, being able to rejoice, of course, uh, now when not everything is perfect, but almost like accumulating that joy. You're looking forward to that final joy when God will almost make this whole life of yours in trusting Him, in looking towards Him, and worshiping Him worthwhile. You know, almost to say, worth it. You know, the life that you live, sometimes it's tough. The life that you live, sometimes you face enemies like this. It is worth it because at the end of the day, God will say, I will make it worth it. I will show you just how much my grace is poured upon you to show the measure of my greatness, my goodness, my grace to you, towards you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think uh, that just, I don't know, builds our expectation for heaven in the future, but also for the very next day. You know, looking forward to that new grace, looking forward to that new vindication, looking forward to just that new encounter with God that just makes this life really rich and really full with the knowledge of Him and to be able to tell others about Him as well. Uh, yeah, okay, Psalm 35. Um, yeah.
that's it that's it yeah um, by the way again uh, just to mention that I have that uh, conversation that I um, that I was talking about earlier with Ezra Jalian in a really really interesting conversation about social action about activism about politics especially in Malaysia especially amongst Christians I will be having more of these conversations <laughs> throughout this week uh, very very exciting with at least another three people and there will just be different aspects of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be effective in our witness, and what it means even to be a Malaysian Christian because they're all Malaysian brothers back home. So look forward to that. Uh, but until then, thank you for watching. Take care and God bless. Have a good Sunday tomorrow. Bye.